0: Does everybody know what time it is? Time to revisit season three! Oh shit, it's grunt work. I'm writing about the book I read. I have to sing about the book I read. I'm embarrassed to admit it hit the soft spot in my heart when I found out you wrote the book I read, except that book was hollowed out, and inside it was an iPod shuffle loaded with every episode of Gruntwork, Ooh. the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that Rudy Giuliani listens to. Ooh. I'm not I'm not happy about it either. Yeah, okay. Th- these are the facts. I'm sorry. Well, the, the good news is that he'll spread the word by butt-dialing it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots of listeners in the Ukrainian government right now, in fact. But the point is, I'm your host, Truman the Platonic Man Caps, and with me is always. Is Landon the Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends, man? Solano, and who doggy did we watch a TV show today? <laughs> Didn't we ever? But Ooh. Truman. Before that, I want to start on a positive note. Yes, good to see you. It's good to see you too. Thanks. It's good to be seen, and it is good to see you, <laughs> which I already said. Uh, yeah, I gotta. I gotta be perfectly honest. I'm. I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little slow today. A little. A little tired. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, smogs. Second favorite thing after his pile of gold, I am dragon ass. <laughs> smog, is, smog is a horny one, isn't he? Smog's, you know, his, his pile of gold has a has an iPad underneath it that is that that has a search history that we do not want to look too closely at. Uh, very, very true. Uh, well, like, and I think that that's fitting because I uh, came to this recording session from uh, eating Korean barbecue with my girlfriend <laughs> and some friends, and yes. I consumed. Um, all of the meat in in southern California if there's a meat shortage it's because I all of the meat that I've been saving by not eating meat you just made up for by eating it in one meal I undid your your many many years of of service to animals and also because the deal with Korean barbecue is you grill it there at the table my hair my clothes I'm wafting meat fumes into your apartment (laughs) and really just offending you on every level that's okay I've got the Delouse team coming in after this so I I think you have them come in after every time I I come to your apartment (laughs) I was to face it one way or another so we're both kind of Slow. I'm yeah. on the verge of a meat coma. Landon is uh Dragonass. Uh Dragonass. And uh speaking of Dragonass, uh that's a segue that's going nowhere. I want to go into the preamble where we have a few things to talk about. <laughs> I like that you just tried it on spec though. <laughs> hey maybe may, maybe between in the five seconds between me starting this sentence and like getting to the middle of it, I'll come up with an ending I'm trying the spaghetti approach. I'm just throwing everything against the wall. Something's gonna stick at some point this Ma- season. Mom spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Were your palms sweaty when you did it? That might be why they're not sticking. It's, it's They're all slick from it that. It could quite well be. I want to uh, mention we have a new patron gift. Uh, I really want to promote this artist, uh, Lefsock Designs, yes. out of Australia. She yes. does this amazing pop art uh, type of style. And um, listeners might remember back for my birthday, you gave me a print of Wilson. Yes. I loved I it so much, uh, so even though I haven't framed it yet uh I love it so much that I reached out to the artist to say hey can we get some of these for our patrons yeah uh so we do we have uh our stack. our patron gifts going out soon uh she also donated additional ones so we're going to be running uh, some contests in the future yeah uh don't know exactly what that's going to be yet. I have some ideas. We're going to bounce some spaghetti off the wall. Uh, if your spaghetti's bouncing, I don't think you've cooked it enough. That's the real problem. <laughs> You're Italian, Land, and How do you not know this shit? I boil my noodles in flubber. Oh, <laughs> that could be delicious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> flubber noodles. Sounds like a children's TV show. Uh, second, I, I don't want to go on a tangent right off the bat, but I discovered something this morning. Uh, that really shocked me. Yeah. So I was watching an episode of Star Trek Next Generation. All good stories begin this way. <laughs> and uh, I don't just do this for home improvement. I do this for everything I watch. I always open up the episode or the movie on IMDb and just investigate. I mean, that's just where my interests lie. That, no, that's how you roll. Yeah. And uh, came across the fact that this actress in this episode I was watching is in a movie, uh, The the... Film version of Leave it to the Beaver. They came out in 1997. Right. Okay. That movie was directed by someone named Mr. Andy Cadiff. Oh, I think I've heard of him. Yeah. In the opening credits. And so I was like, oh, interesting. He uh, he directed uh, this movie. Let's just investigate that a little bit. I, so that movie came out. I was... I had gone to see Dennis the Menace in theaters, like, and I was when I saw that I was like, I'm a little too old for this, and so I missed the Leave It to Beaver train. They did, they did Dennis the Menace, Leave It to Beaver, and the Brady Bunch movie, all kind of within like four years of each other. That was like gonna be the superhero franchise, yeah, right. Basically, I I stand by the Brady Bunch movies, both of them. They are fantastic comedies. Look, I I can say that they have Shelley Long in them, so I will probably <laughs> like them, as I am obligated to like anything with a Cheers cast. I ever. think that they were so far ahead of their. Yeah. Time that okay. people just didn't understand the type of humor that they were doing. This kind of pastiche, whatever. I don't need to go into uh, review the Brady Bunch movies, but uh, back to Leave It to Beaver. Yes, directed by Andy Kadev. Yeah. Uh, periphery interest stars Christopher uh, McDonald from uh, Yeah, uh, um, yeah, Get a Life. No, wait, no, that's the wrong, the wrong guy. <laughs> yes, wrong guy. No, the guy that played Stew, uh, the beer crushing right. friend of Tim's from yes, college. Yes, yes, yeah, uh, and a million other things. Happy Gilmore. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. um. So he, there's a home improvement connection, but But there's an actress on our show that appears in this movie by the name of Patricia Richardson. What? Is she June? She plays a character named Jill Taylor. So what you're saying is there's, there is a home improvement expanded universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Who is, who plays her husband? Uh, it, there's no other tailors in the cast list. Oh my god, so a single Jill Taylor does exist. <laughs> Land in our dreams come true. <laughs> so... I wasn't about to put on the table, let's watch Leave it to Beaver, but now I have to get to the bottom of this. I did a search you know, for YouTube, or even just a Google image search. Yeah. I wanted to see Jill Taylor in Leave it to Beaver. Damn right. Nothing has come up, so the only way to get to the bottom of this is to actually watch the movie somehow. Okay, well Landon, I'm going to extend my fist, and you push your fist against it, and now I, that <laughs> means that we have to find the movie and watch it, I guess. Is that, is that the grunt work uh, equivalent to the gavel? Uh, basically, yeah, the gavel would fuck up our recording too much, so instead we bump it, <laughs> and S- I narrate. I narrate us bumping it, yeah. and that's how we know. Uh, wow, good, well, way to do your homework. Uh, it, I, I mean, didn't even know I was doing homework. Uh, that's that's it's it's stealth homework. It's yeah. surprise homework. It's ninja homework. Uh, and while we're on this tangent, yes. I told you, uh, season five bringing theories back in a big way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm bringing theories back. Embarrassed to admit, being such a, a horror fan and being uh, from Michigan yeah. and having The Evil Dead be a seminal film in my life. Oh, sure. That I had never watched Ash versus The Evil Dead until recently. Oh, Really? Uh, that's not groovy, Landon. It takes place in Michigan, yes. Uh, you know, in and how, you know, in, in that medieval castle that existed <laughs> in Michigan, like, thousands of years ago. <laughs> you know how those things were, right? Please, I'm sorry, continue. And do they ever go into whether he travels in space and time or just time? I, I no, they don't really explain it. Assuming that there, also, they never really make clear where he is. Just, like, a place with a castle and, like, knights and shit. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um. So maybe he travels through space. Here's the thing, you know, Ash has... The character of Ash has has morphed and evolved a lot since oh, that first movie. Yes, to the point where in Army of Darkness, you know, he's kind of this wisecracking, slapsticky uh, anti-hero, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, a reluctant hero is the word I was looking for. This TV series takes that so far to the nth degree. Yeah. Now, the reason I want to bring this up is that. Bruce Campbell's performance as Ash on Ash vs. the Evil Dead is what I want and think that they're aiming for for Tim the Toolman Taylor. Really? Because he's playing this kind of ignorant machismo. Yeah. uh, But they just do it so much better. (laughs) Because there's no, you're never supposed to sympathize or empathize with him. you know, and I've only I've read the, the script for the pilot of Ash mm-hmm. versus Evil Dead. I've not seen it myself, but I my impression is that yeah that that he is he has that kind of Timmy Timmy style attitude, but he is a failure in life. Like he still yeah. works at S Smart. Like he's not even a he's not even a manager or anything. Right. Yeah. So it, it's like it's it's Home Improvement with our sense of justice. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um. But I'm as I continue to watch the show, I am going to be looking for ways. I'm, I'm determined, and when there's a determination, you know that you can do anything. I guess I don't know. Is that a phrase? Uh, really? That that? Wow, man. <laughs> I think th- I thought that my meat coma was going to be a problem, but I think you're. I told you I'm dragon ass. Uh, there's going to be a way to connect. The Evil Dead universe and the Home Improvement universe, and I'm gonna fucking find it. I, you know what? I think magic is the way that a lot of those universes get connected. <laughs> um, no, I'm all on board. I'm all on board. Let's right. connect them, man. I'm, I'm an, I'm an Evil Dead head. I would, I would, if uh, Otherwise the, known as a Deadite. I suppose that's probably a better term for it, isn't it? <laughs> or a Deadhead? I don't know if they call that. I've forgotten. D- uh, it's deadheads. It's been a while pe- since I've been in my last Evil Dead convention. Deadheads are the people who drive around the country following Sam Raimi oh. and Bruce Campbell. And deadheads the, are Grateful Dead. Fanatics. Th- they, they have also tried to co-opt the term. Yes. Let's get into this episode of Home Improvement. Yes, that let's. we are here to do. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, Landon. What happened this week Don't on Home Improvement? Say... Well, I I you look again. You have Buckaroo Banzai on Blu-ray. We could also just <laughs> cut this shit here and watch Buckaroo Banzai. All right, we start. In a desert. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're we're passing uh, uh, sandbags and people running back and forth. I think it opens with a with a text scroll. But, like yes, if you're yes, watching the special edition, it starts with like James Earl Jones narrating in the yep. home movies of uh, of young Buckaroo Banzai shooting a video of his own two feet. <laughs> Did you know uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis was? Oh, he's uh, played place his mom in that. that, that got cut out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's what happened on Home Improvement this week. I'm not done talking about fuckery bonds, <laughs> but no, we can go incorporate, on, on. we pepper it throughout okay, the episode. yeah, just just sprinkle. Uh, because trust me, the reason I'm going on tangents in this episode is like this is a oh, it's a problematic one, guys. We just need we just need a we just need a yeah, a big old bottle of malt <laughs> liquor to pass back <laughs> but, and forth. And I'm gonna do my part to to tamper it a bit. Like I don't need to be so social justice warrior on this episode because it's a sitcom from the '90s, but. I, I will. Ju- I will just say there is there is an episode of True Detective where where uh, Matthew McConaughey has found this horrible video of like children being tortured and he <laughs> sits he sits um, Woody Harrelson down to watch it and like before, and before he puts in the, the video he like gives him uh, like a bottle of Jameson and says I, this is gonna help and then it's just like Woody Harrelson just watching it and like drinking it, screaming like no no. <laughs> I'm not saying this episode was, like, obviously children being tortured is worse, but this episode was... I was in a Woody Harrelson state of mind. Yes. And not the happy-go-lucky cheers kind. Okay, please. Synopsis. When Tim finds out that Jill's in a book club with another man, his jealousy ignites. Uh, This is made worse by the fact that his friends claim that they would never let their wives be friends with another man. To keep tabs on her, Tim decides to read Madame Bovary and join their book club uh, discussion uh, the following week. Yeah, Man, I, I yeah kept it simple because I just didn't want to dwell on it. You you ke- yeah I, it was K I S S. You kept it simple and it was stupid. Um, so <laughs> Do you want to try and guess the title of this episode? Hint, it's as problematic as the episode. Oh shit! Okay, uh, so here's what I've got, and I'll see if I can take another stab after after going through these. Okay, Madame Brovery. <laughs> dude, that's the one. I mean, that's not the actual one, but, but, that is but the that's one. the retroactive. Okay. One. Another one, Madame Pokery, because Poker Night. Yeah, you should nice have let movie. up that one. Yes. Uh, Tim Fidelity. Mm, okay. Uh, they're not going to be winners. Uh, I, that's not a loser, but nah, okay. This one is a loser. The Apple Dumping Gang. <laughs> because apples are a part of it, and he's afraid <laughs> that he'll that get dumped. That would have been a better uh, title for the the clip show. I- <laughs> <laughs> Only if he was watching them on an Apple uh, computer. <laughs> yes. And lastly, uh, this is pretty conceptual tim-id. Like, uh-huh, Tim Id. Like, the psychological concept, yeah. yeah right, like Tim Id. But yeah. then Tim's Id. And yeah. Okay, uh-huh. but it's the most, but okay, it's even more problematic than that. Um, I mean, it's not super problematic, but uh, it's, let's it's see. placing blame somewhere, and I don't like it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <sighs> and it's subverting a Patsy Klein song that I love. I, okay, I I I give up. Her cheating heart. <laughs> this episode was directed by Andy Kadiff and uh written by Ruth Bennett who uh, uh, it sounds like a woman wrote <laughs> it this does episode. Sound like a woman. Well, uh we shouldn't make presumptions, but I'm going to go ahead and say so. Um when you presume you make a pre out <laughs> of you and me, <laughs> out of you and and someone. Yeah. Uh she this is her her first episode okay. that she's written for the show. She's going to go on to write, uh, I think, four or five uh, additional ones over the next couple seasons. All so, Ruth, right. um, uh, listen, I'm sure you're a fine person. I'm sure I, you've I, done a lot of great writing. I'm sure you're listening right now. <laughs> Uh, this particular episode uh not so not so great. I mean, yeah, but let's also agree that TV shows tend to be heavily room written and a lot of other yeah, people are throwing fair. things in. Fair. The credit I'm, that gets stuck I can't to put her, it all on her. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Thank you. I rescind my uh, criticism. Okay, great. Of her, not the episode. Yeah, the episode the episode <laughs> remains. I'm never going to get too hard on any of the writers for this show because at the end of the day, they're trying to put food on the yeah, table yeah, for yeah, their yeah, families yeah. and, you know. Let's go into personal reflections. Uh, very briefly, how did you feel about this episode? I didn't like it. It was bad. It was a bad episode. It was so bad. Here's the thing: last episode we felt uncharacteristically good about it. Mm-hmm. We were actually really happy about Tim and how he was acting. And uh, as always, we get our hopes up and think we've turned a corner. And it's like this show is actively making it. It's like they were like, "Oh, Tim was a good husband and father in the last episode. Yeah. Let's let's now we have to go hard the other way. We have to. It has to be a constant roller coaster of ups and downs." So, it was problematic on all kinds of levels that we'll, that you can probably guess just from that synopsis that we will certainly discuss at some length up ahead. Also, though, there were just genuinely missed opportunities for, like, where this episode could have gone. Yes. There were two alternate directions that this could have gone. I don't know if I should tease out what they are now or but just talk about the same The same them, for the, the deep dive. So, just, like... This episode, even even with the subject matter being something I didn't agree with, they could have handled it in a way that was funnier and took us to a better place. But instead, yes. they did it. They they chose the path that just had Tim behaving at his most boorish yep. and and was the least satisfying. That's precisely the thing that bothers me a lot about this show is that none of these things I feel like are uh, exempt from being made fun of or being yes. depicted. Yes. it's the laziness in in terms of the comedy writing. Yes. Where it's just like you chose a safe choice or a, a very kind of pig-headed choice without kind of realizing what you were doing yeah. because you just needed to end the episode or you just needed to get from point A to point B. Uh, and it's just like, that's the most offensive thing is like, you're not making this funny. <laughs> exactly. Like, I think, you know, we could pick apart any given episode of Cheers and there is so much that's problematic especially the early seasons of yeah. just the way Sam treats women and some of the Attitudes that he espouses, but it's always done in service of like the jokes that come out of that are better. It, they they take it to funny places, and then there is always a sort of turnaround or comeuppance at the end of it that is more satisfying because yeah. we've gone on this journey. And here it is very much just let's set up a situation, let's just fall back on Tim's nature. You know, Tim. being I, mean, I think it's it's even more general than that. It's it's let's fall back on the stereotypes that we think our audiences. You know, they're playing to the Midwest. They're playing to, you know, the people that, you know, embody these cliches of, yeah. you know, the the rolling pin wife with, you know, the hairnet and everything. Mm-hmm. And the, the man who just needs to bring home the bacon and whatever other stupid tropes you can think of. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it just it feels a little insulting on that level. Yeah. When, you know, this is the mid 90s. There is a lot of sophisticated comedy happening yeah and they just are playing it down like even on the same network i i feel like there's a night and day difference between home improvement and roseanne oh absolutely and roseanne is like a genuinely well-written funny show that is often very problematic yes with a very problematic lead actress but uh no yeah i i will fully give you that like it just it's just not (laughs) trying very hard yeah So, I have uh, two points I want to say here. One, obviously this episode feels like a backslide into season three. And I would say even more than any episode in season three, this is the episode that I would point to as, like, the prime example of toxic masculinity, not only in how the characters themselves relate to one another and how the toxic masculinity is the the catalyst for the problems here, but for what is being communicated to the audience through these interactions. Yeah, the thi- the thing that, like, yeah, the, none of the conversations in this episode, the resolution of this episode, it's cl- it's made clear at the end that Tim is wrong. Yeah. But, not, but, like, oh, you're wrong because your wife really loves you, not you're wrong to be policing who your wife hangs out with yeah. and have zero faith in her. The writers, and thus the audience, are taking the wrong thing out of the episode, which is uh, they look at it as Tim was pigheaded and wrong in his approach, but because his heart was in the right place, we can forgive him and not really learn any lessons and move forward knowing that they're going to be a happy couple for the rest of time. Yes, uh, for some reason. And that is, that's that's the issue for me. The other thing I wanted to say about uh, this is that Again, bringing up theories. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> my favorite screwball comment from the 30s. Bringing up theories. Um, I think that this episode... So, season five is when Home Improvement got syndicated. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be an episode mid-season that only appeared on syndication, not on broadcast television. Ooh. I have a feeling that because of this, there's some sort of schedule calibration that they needed to do. And there's a lot of things in this episode that pull from existing episodes. And so I feel almost like it's a filler episode and that's why they either like went back to an old draft from season three mm-hmm. like I honestly think this because it, it in terms of the character growth the where characters are none of it really jives with the last season and handful of episodes of season five yeah uh, it just it feels so much like it's backslid to season three so it's just an ersatz clip show basically <laughs> out <laughs> of out of out of uh, stuff from the script room floor <laughs> exactly that's why uh, that's what I'm going to tell myself to feel better about this episode okay well look let's just get into this episode so we can be done talking well, about this Well, before episode. we do that we have uh, oh. we have to thank our patrons Oh, of course, we have to thank our patrons. What was I even thinking? How could I forget our patrons? I'm. We don't deserve them. <laughs> our patron overlords. Yes. Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Shout out to uh, to our patrons. We've mm-hmm. got uh, Jahan with an H. We've got John without an H. We've got Tom with two M's. We have, of course, the lovely Kirsty and Tara. Thank you, one and all. One and all for supporting us. Yes. Absolutely. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, let's go into uh, tweet time real quick. Yes. Shall we? Let's uh, let's get into it. Okay, so we asked on Twitter, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah. And uh again, just to reiterate the rules for season five, we are picking only one tweet each week. So make them count. <laughs> there can only be one winner. Yeah. Um, we chopped the head off the other one. Yes. The uh we have chosen uh Farah who is our new uh, patron sponsor. Yay! Hooray! I mean, I'm not going to say I was playing favoritism there. Yeah, it's not uh, like she, she – it's on some, some kind of payola situation. <laughs> it's not a quid pro quo. We know how bad those can be. <laughs> uh, no, but she she said something that I, I felt would uh, uh, relay to you. Yes. Um, she said, uh, when I um, – she said, I wanted to be a professional musician. Uh, it wasn't until the second half of high school when I moved to Indiana – uh, and was in a lot more serious uh, band program that oh, I realized yeah. <laughs> that I couldn't hack it as a pro. You know, leave it to leave it to a Rootin Tootin High School band program to really expose your weaknesses as a musician. <laughs> I I'm, and a human being. I, well, I mean, no, That that, ex- that if anything, uh, a high school band program will strengthen you as a human being by uh, just exposing you to the vitriol and hatred of the entire school. Uh, well, no, I mean, in, Indiana has some remarkably good high school music programs, I have heard, and certainly they've got, uh, I mean, that's a pretty broad generalization about an entire state, but the Midwest generally band is a bigger deal yes, out there. Yes, it certainly was in Michigan. Uh, did she mention what uh, instrument she played? She did not. Uh, no, I mean, I, look, I, I played trumpet for, uh, about 11 years and was in a, you know, my high school, the, the one good thing I will say about my hometown is that we had the most amazing high school music programs. Yeah, you have mentioned extremely, before. Extremely, extremely competitive. And, uh, like just in my high school alone, like I was feeling pretty good about myself as a trumpet player. And then some of these younger kids coming up from our feeder middle schools were just insanely talented. Like I knew, like any any thought I never really seriously thought about being a professional musician, like it was never really my my deal, but yeah, exposure to other people who are like four years younger than you can can play like two octaves higher than you and sight read the music better than you oh, it's just demoralizing you man. everything you just said is completely foreign to me uh well look let, let's let's just say i mean, I don't know you. you Imagine you're you're you know doing coding for a website, but then in the middle of it, somebody else hacks into the mainframe, and they are uh, they they're like they've got like a friend who's also typing on the same keyboard as them, so they can code uh-huh. twice as fast as you, and their their code <laughs> is like totally perfect and flawless code. Okay, I get the analogy. Yeah, now. see there yeah, you thank go. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate, yeah. Appreciate. Expl, explain in technical terminology that even you, a non-musician, could understand. Oh my god. Well, uh, if you uh, first, if you want to follow Farrah, you can do so on Twitter at Sing3Prima. Uh, and if you want to know what um, Truman and my answers were to uh, what did we want to be when we grew up, you can uh, head over to our Patreon uh, and tune into this week's episode of Gruntwork Nights nice. for only a single dollar. Only one dollar. Uh, only a dollar. Yes. And uh, you also get access to our entire backlog so you can get our answers to uh, other questions. Um, and that's at uh, patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Damn right. So, with that, let's go into the deep dive. Uh, can we talk about Patreon bonuses some more or something? <laughs> Um, we started on Gadget Corner. We do start in Gadget Corner. We start with uh, Al Borland's beautiful little Al, face. Al just looking into and Al is indeed the first one who speaks in this episode. Yes. What does he say? Uh he says we're gonna sh- well he's talk- he introduces Gadget Corner, yep. and then Tim explains that we're gonna show you a lot of things that'll make you go wow and your wife go, How are we gonna pay for that? Uh, and right away we know. Like the <laughs> the good thing about home improvement is that it always sets the tone right up front. Like you're never surprised halfway <laughs> through the episode. Like you kind of know where it's gonna be at. Yeah. Um, but Al go counters Tim and says that these gadget gifts are things that any woman would like. Yeah, and to uh, and I was really worried that they were going to go the the pink tool route oh again because yes, we've already done that. Yeah, yeah, everything has well, a doily on it. Even even this segment to go to what I was saying about cobbling episodes together felt very much like reach out and uh uh teach somebody yeah from season one where they have which i want to i'm going to bring back oh i'm going to foreshadow the end of this episode real hard yeah uh there's something i'm going to bring that episode back uh for later okay um but that felt very much you know the spread of uh lady tools essentially (laughs) things that you can use around the house i was worried that it was going to go in that direction it pulled back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, less than expected. So they, they introduced their gadget expert, June Palmer, who walks out. My first question was, why do you have a woman expert uh, tool tool expert? Yeah. Period. No, nope. I'm just going to end it there. Yeah, it should be a question mark at the <laughs> end of it. Uh, why do you have... Uh, what the fuck's wrong with Heidi? Yeah, I don't know why they couldn't have Heidi come out. I don't know who this June person is. She says, like, she she very tersely asks them why she hasn't been on the show in four years. And I'm sitting here thinking, was she ever on the show? No, no. If anyone (laughs) would remember her, it would be... Yeah, well, and so what other secret episodes have we missed? So there's this whole thing about how, oh, she's the gadget expert. She's been here before. And the other thing that I noticed was, like, okay, well, you're remarkably attractive. Are you going to like does this play a role or something is that going to be a, a, a bit I was hoping yeah because she she immediately after Tim's first line that I'm like oh god it's gonna be one of these yeah she comes in with this energy to like throw it right back in his face yeah because she the very first tool that she's displaying is this uh, bug sucker yeah and uh, what's called the sucker bug suck a bug and and Tim says four years and the best thing you can come up with is a f- suck a bug Tim is a sucker bug yeah uh Ew. <laughs> But she picks up this uh, device and uh, aims it at Tim and says, I don't have the line. Well, yeah, but you can use it to suck up pests. And she kind of points it in Tim's direction and smiles at the camera and everyone laughs. (laughs) Which was a great moment. I'm like, oh, thank God there's going to be a reprieve here. Yes. Um, And then she goes and demonstrates it. And then Tim's like, oh, you know what? That's actually a really good tool. Turns around and does the same joke to Elle. The laziest, the laziest shit. Like, oh, yeah, Al, I can use it on you. Like, watching watching this horrible human centipede of, like, <laughs> woman does joke, Tim gets joke, Tim passes joke on to do same joke at Al. It's, it is the quintessential man splainy joke. I don't know. And so he's trying to do, the, he's trying to, like... Uh, it, there's no way. Like looking at my notes as I was writing it, I was like, "This isn't gonna look good." But uh, Tim is playing around at sucking Al's forehead. It, you know, he's he's like he's trying to he's trying to like suck uh, he's trying to suck Al into the into the thing. But then the sucker bug, I guess, like he puts he puts he, it in it, reverse. Yeah, he puts it in reverse and it shoots this bug out onto Al's forehead, yeah. and Al deadpans to the camera with a bug on his forehead. And then and then they're like, well, okay, that's sufficient comedy. We've all had a laugh. Time to go to the opening credits. No need to do anything else here. Uh, well, let's go into character after corner. No, let's not. Okay. Let me ask one question Please. first. Okay. You're designing a a bug killing vacuum, which, yeah. by the way, laugh if you must, is a thing that I actually really want for my apartment because I hate bugs and any anything that like reduces the complexity of killing them is. I'm all about that. Why is it Catch a feature? What do you say? Catch and release. That, that's, like... But, like, why is it a feature to suck the bug in and then blast the bug back out? <laughs> why, why would you ever need to do that? It's poorly designed. Okay, like most Binford products, yeah. I suppose. Okay, but now let's go into Character Actor Character Corner. Character Actor Corner for uh, for June Palmer. Is uh, that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Her name is uh, Gretchen German. Hmm. She uh, is mostly a TV actress. Uh... Duh, started duh. Duh. I TV <laughs> started in the 80s uh she's been on Seinfeld, Wings, uh NYPD Blue, Coach um she seems to have stopped around 2000 and then came back in 2013 on Modern Family. Oh, interesting. Uh she was also on Will & Grace uh and Star Trek Deep Space 9, which I haven't seen yet. Okay. I hear it's quite good. I don't, I, I don't know. That's all I have to offer about Deep Space Nine. It's way better than Deep Space Eight. <laughs> yeah. Although, although, I think that you really have to hold out for Deep Space 17. Um, uh, I will say, you know, I don't want to go, because we have a lot of character actors on this episode. Uh, but I forgot that this TV show existed, and I'm just going to show you the promo photo of it. It's good radio so, always showing me pictures of things. The Mario Lopez-driven vehicle post-saved-by-the-bell called Pacific Blue. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know what? I My first takeaway is I have seen those rings on that beach and I have not seen that big big hunk of white beef, though, or that brown beef, I the suppose. Ring. What do you call those rings? The, they're, they're like, like chin-up rings? I don't they're know. Not, they're like, vert, no, not vertical rings. I don't know. Gymnasts yeah. listening to our show write in, what are those rings that, that are hanging? The, that you, you see a lot of, uh, it's mostly only the people that want to show off. I don't oh. know what the actual, like, exercise value of those are. Oh, by Santa Monica Pier on the beach, there is a bunch of kind of workout equipment, like, you know, rings hanging from poles and things like that. And the only people there it's are... called Muscle Beach. beach. Muscle Beach? Well, yeah. I guess that explains it are muscly dudes <laughs> doing all kinds of tricks and yeah. uh and, i used to and juggle there yeah yeah did, did and would you like you know would you get a whole crowd around you when you juggled no i mean i'm certainly not that good yeah uh i went with some friends who were hula hoopers oh okay uh, the jugglers and the hula hoopers they <laughs> they have a natural truce and, and an them. acrobat actually oh, okay. an acrobat family so him and his wife would uh do acrobats while uh i juggled and someone hooped I feel like, Landon, the outgrowth from that should have been you becoming, like, a cat burglar or a Batman villain, not a guy who hosts a podcast. Like, that's a much more entertaining story. Uh, Well, I can't speak for myself, but, you know, um, I have heard that some shenanigans have been going down from uh, Hot Tub Crime Machine um oh really uh, you know um, but but you but you can't you can't i can't i sure. can't speak we, have to, we have to put on the hot tub signal to really <laughs> find out um the question is though was she on er our metagame uh i'm gonna say er, she was not she was not on er oh fuck i finally got one right That was a very uh, confusing reaction. Oh, fuck, I finally got one right. Because at first I was thinking, like, (laughs) because I think last episode I was saying, now I want my streak to be never getting it right this season. (laughs) But... I'm also just. A, it's, I guess it's usually a safer bet to say they weren't on ER. Maybe, maybe so. I, I, you know, I, I'm gonna have to go back and do the the math on this to see what the ratio is. I feel like it's about half and half. I'm not doing very well though I, with it. Like even if it is about half and half, I never guess it right. All right. Do you here? I'm gonna throw. Uh, uh, I'm gonna throw a gauntlet down here. Um, if you answer this right, we'll wipe the slate clean and moving forward, you're starting at zero. Okay. Okay. There is one cast member. Uh, Recurring cast member of Home Improvement who has appeared on ER. Do you know which one? Mm. If I knew the ER theme song, I would be singing it. I I know. I was actually trying to remember it earlier for other comical purposes. It was going (laughs) to be really funny, guys, I promise. (laughs) Uh, Earl Hindman? I would have either guessed him or Patricia Richardson. Yeah. It's actually Zachary Ty Bryan. Fuck. I, it, was, I, it was either going to be Earl Heineman or one of the boys. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I had the chance to wipe the slate clean, and I blew it. All right. All right. Back into tool time. A uh, bunch of spiders consume the screen. We go to the theme song. Gotta love that. Uh, I have a note on the theme song. Oh, look at you. Can is you believe It's little note. It? Uh, is it a calendar? Uh, actually, I skipped over a calendar note two weeks in a row. So I just wanted you to know. It's a birthday gift, isn't it? L- listen. Week number one, there's a whole new calendar around there. It was Heidi, it was colorful, it was Easter-colored, very pastel. This week, they gone back to the Masquerade Woman. So you were saying you skipped over calendars two weeks in a row, and now you're talking about calendars. The theme song. Oh, Landon. The video game part. Yes. Randy and Mark have exactly the same score. Wait, so Mark is caught up? I think Mark was always ahead. Oh no, Randy! Randy's caught up. I mean, yeah, I, that's okay. That's interesting because it used to be Mark was running away with it. Now, yeah, that's like, what now it seemed like, there least. was some production note that like we don't like to imply that Mark is good at anything, <laughs> wow. especially pronouns. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Ooh. <laughs> da- political correctness. <laughs> uh We come back uh, from the theme song to the kitchen. Um, Tim is uh, bringing up all of his poker chips and uh, uh, paraphernalia uh, from the basement because it's poker night. Yeah, and the boys are following him and saying that uh, you know, oh, you know, we you know we want to join in, and Tim is saying no, I don't want to expose you guys to what goes on at poker night. And Randy says, "What you losing all your money?" <laughs> <laughs> and they ask him, like he's getting defensive, and they ask him, when was, la- when was the last time you won? Oh, it was like four years ago. The last time that Gadget Girl was on uh, was on Tool Time." And I hear that and I think, ah, June the Gadget Girl will be coming back. This all ties in. <laughs> Will it break your heart if I tell you this is the only time we ever see her? I, I just, I mean, I, I'm not shocked by that. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> oh, she'll come back later in the episode because the kids are mentioning oh, right. her I outside see what you're saying. of the cold yeah. Open. yeah uh so <laughs> would you be disappointed if i told you she never came back in this episode <laughs> i i was disappointed i i am disappointed don't remind me of this episode uh, any more than i already have to be uh so the guys come over and the guys consist of uh harry yep benny yep al yep and uh marty who already marty! <laughs> seems to be uh at the house yeah he just yeah he hang he's just there. A he's lot. just there. I, yeah. You know what? I got to be honest. I, I was going to save this for the actual poker scene. I like Marty. Yeah, he's he's I right. I like him. I, I don't like some of the views that he is he's articulating in this episode particularly, but I, I think Marty is a lot of fun. Like and, I well, I like we'll, this character. Yeah, we'll crack that open in a moment. Yeah. Um, it's like all these beers. So the guys. Uh, the guys come over, uh, and Tim is talking about uh, uh, Jill's book club that evening. Yeah, that's that's why they've got the house to theirsel- yep. themselves. And uh, Al is like, "Oh, you know, that's what are they reading?" You know, Wait, asking what, questions about Jill's interests, and she, she's like, "Oh, yeah, Jill's going to book discussion." And Alan's like, "Oh, what are they discussing?" And Tim goes, "Books, Al," and, and and he says, "Well, I I know. I just thought you might take an interest in what your wife is doing tonight." And Tim goes, "Why?" And that's when I knew we were in for it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts. And, and, and Al, you know, and the guys are all like laughing at this and mocking this notion that, that they would be interested in their yes. wives' book groups. And Al goes, you know, It's a wonder you guys have long term relationships with women. Al, again, speaking for me and Landon. Speaking the gospel, yes, right. And, and Tim goes, It's a wonder we have a long term relationship with you. Oh. It's a l- 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 wonder that Al has a long term relationship with Tim. Yeah. Seriously. I wonder how much of it is paycheck. Driven well, apparent, but apparently not <laughs> that much because he was talking about how That's how right. his pay how little, could not gets, get any yeah. lower. Yeah. Oh. Um. But while they're saying this, Jill actually comes down uh, uh, as her book club uh, uh, partner and uh, someone that she goes to school with and ride to book club uh, comes over. And and yeah, and Tim is saying like, you know, oh yeah, she's leaving in a second. Her friend Chris is giving her a ride over there. Yep. Making this assumption that it's a woman named Chris. Yep. And is it a woman? Named Chris. No, it's not. (laughs) Turns out it's a man named Chris (laughs) which is telegraphed from a long distance away. But yeah, so
1: Chris (laughs) arrives
0: and Jill is like, Oh, okay, hey, Chris, yeah, I'll be I'll be on my way in just a second, and is gathering her stuff. And Tim is just so he pulls her aside right away, just like like, he he didn't tell me Chris was a guy. Yeah. And Jill's like, yeah, okay. I didn't know I I had to. I didn't know this episode was set in Saudi Arabia. Like, I thought I didn't know it was an issue that a woman and a man ride in a car together. Yeah, right. Or speak about books together. Yeah, I mean, heaven forbid Tim ever (laughs) take an interest in what she has to do and and speak to her about books on, you know, non-book term, book club terms. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, But Tim is just unrightly jealous. I mean there's literally no reason for him to have his jealousy sparked here. And and he says he says to her like you you never you never told me about this. You never you never told me that Chris was a guy. And She says, "Yeah, no, I did. I told you. I told you that Chris was a guy and he was going to be giving me a ride when we were at, I told you about it at the hardware store the other day." And Tim just goes, you're with me at the hardware store? Oh, God. So it's like Tim wasn't... We're you were meant Tim, to find this funny. Tim wasn't listening to his wife in the first place. She explains, I have a male friend who's taking me to this thing you don't care about, and Tim doesn't even listen to that. And yeah. so, that, but, you know, uh, Chris and Jill leave together, and Tim sits down with the guys, and Benny, fucking Benny, right off the bat, is like, you know, Tim, I gotta say, it's pretty cool. You're the only guy I know who lets his wife date. And then... And then all of the guys are just going around talking about like, oh yeah yeah, it's it's nice how how's Jill going to be enjoying her date night or stuff like that. Just yeah, really trying to, you know, take it to Tim for letting Jill go out. I mean, this is this is the scene where everything goes off the this whole show goes off the rails for me because yeah. Harry kind of drives this idea of like I fucking hate my wife and I would never be, you know. Yeah. And and Benny is, as you just said, uh, Al's the only one kind of sticking up for it. Marty, I actually, and I wanted to break this open a little bit. I yeah. liked Marty in the scene because Marty's actually showing his insecurities. That is, yeah. Showing, like, uh, you know, am I attractive? Al, do you find me attractive? You know, because Al was uh, suggesting, oh, I find Chris was an attractive guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Tim says, I'm like, why don't you date him? And then all the guys laugh. So there's, okay, this is where I'm trying to find the line of how deep I want to go into this, but. This idea, this is toxic masculinity on full display. Oh, yes, Where question. there is no issue, there's no problem, there's no conflict whatsoever. Yes. And then you get a bunch of guys holding each other to unrealistic, stupid standards of uh, nothing that matters. I, a, the, a notion that, that when you marry a woman, she becomes your property who must be guarded. Like, yeah. This, and I, I don't know that I'd go that far with it, but so much is like... Well, but I mean, imagine if this, imagine if what was happening was someone had borrowed Tim's car. Yeah. And t- like, th- I would say, hey, this episode would be funnier if Tim was sitting there being anxious about someone else driving his car. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone's saying like, oh, Tim was really nice of you to give your car to that guy or whatever. Like, like it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's like as though someone has borrowed Tim's car, but it's his wife. But so everything that they, all the shit that they give Tim is the impetus to drive his actions forward. Yes. Tim expresses some jealousy uh you know before this, but I have to imagine that if this wasn't a poker night, if these guys weren't involved in this that he probably would have just let it go at Jill's word and like you know, at, at best, it would have gone in the other episode that this is pulling from, and we get a reference to it yeah. in this conversation. Yes. Uh, for some reason, Harry, who wasn't even involved in the show I in know. season one, mentions Rondel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's that was like the fourth or fifth episode yeah. of the season. Fourth yeah. episode of, of the season one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That You know, it's like, oh, it's just like that guy who was helping Jewel with the resume all those years ago. Yeah. yeah, four years ago. And see, now, that episode, I think, handled this same exact problem a million times better because Tim is addressing it through wildly, you know, outrageous shenanigans falling from the roof, uh, on that, you know, gurney, uh, and the guy Rondel is actually a sleazebag, and and also the, and the circumstances of it are a little are a little more suspect there too because it's like oh this guy from class invited me to have coffee or like the, yeah. the guy from my resume class invited me to have coffee and then in, and then finagled his way in here and did the like you know and also yeah you know it, it makes a little more sense for Tim to be concerned about it and also just Tim's antics of trying to spy on them are kind of funny in their own way yeah right right whereas. Yeah, it's not like ruining something for Jill. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we go through this whole thing. I mean, is there anything more we need to say? No, uh, not actually, really. Let's, let's do a quick uh, character actor corner um, for Chris, who has already left the, the scene, but let's go in reverse. Uh, Joe Erla ah. uh, is the, the actor's name. Uh, he was in uh, The Bodyguard Oh, with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. Uh, Deep Impact. Oh, wow. He's kind of kind of just the, the selection of kind of crappy movies from the 90s. <laughs> Strange Days, Sleepers. Yeah, so okay. keeping very much with what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Strange Days. I wish I liked that movie more than I did, you know. Uh, he was on Matlock, the movie Baby Boom with Diane oh, Keaton. Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, Law and Order. Um, I'm trying to see if he was on any NCIS. He was. Uh, so you might know him best from Seinfeld, where yeah. he played a character named Dugan or Duggan, Dugan, Duggan, Dugan. I, I I don't know, man. Keep debating with yourself. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he was in six episodes playing the same character. So uh, I have to imagine he's probably like a, a shopkeeper or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. The question. Oh, he was on the wire. Oh, wait, who's he on the wire? U.S. Attorney for the District of Maryland. Oh, well, okay. Didn't get a name, but I can imagine who he was. <laughs> the Americans, the good wife. Oh, he's shit. He's still acting to this day. He's been in some good shows of the 2000s. <laughs> was like, he? Really he's some of the best. In ER. Yes. He was? Yes, he was. He was not on ER. Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> um, That's too bad. Yes. So let's step out of that corner because uh, we have a lot more corners in this episode. So they're sitting there and they're drinking these beers and they're talking about you mean all this stuff. Beers brand beer? That's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> At first I was like the beers they're drinking are called beers and then I looked closer and it's actually beer apostrophe S. So that implies that there was a man whose last name like John Beer who in the 1800s started <laughs> uh-huh. a brewery and he said I'm going to make beer and I'm going to call this beer beers. Beers beer. Can you imagine the advertising in contract for beers beer <laughs> i kind of wanted to be more of a repo man scenario where it just says just, just beer on the can <laughs> just like it was like wasn't there like a generic beer in like the there, 80s or something that was just called beer there's one now i don't know who the the brand is but it just says house beer on it yeah uh it is very much taken i think from the repo man style of minimalist design yeah I I don't know, uh, this is not minimalist design, it's just like they... It looks like a Foster's can that just has beers on it. I just love that they, like, and the letters on it are big enough that you totally see it. <laughs> so they knew that someone was going to see that they were drinking beers brand beers. Now, is it any different, though, than cola brand cola? I mean, no, but i guess it's not i mean the difference is it's not cola's cola yeah yeah like that it's like that the, the beer owns the beer or like does did the beer did beer did the hops unionize basically so <laughs> like beers have been emancipated yeah they, they own themselves now and are selling themselves but voluntarily yeah right exactly I, I i don't know i i get i get a lot of joy out of beers brand beers <laughs> That was like, that was my, in the darkness of this episode, that was the glimmer of light that kept me going, was was the ridiculous name of their beers. Uh, So we get a bunch of cards transitioning the scene to uh, a little bit later, dining room, Tim and Marty are cleaning up. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. They're, they're putting th- the chips away. They're putting the chips away, leaving the crushed beers cans all yeah. over. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and, and uh, Marty is just saying to him, uh, you know, you're my brother and I'll always be there for you. They're commenting on the fact that Jill is over an hour late getting 64 home. 64 minutes late. Yep. Tim has been watching the clock and Marty's like, oh, we're just giving you crap about it, you know, whatever. But I, whatever happens, I'm going to be here for you. And he says, anyway, I got to go. If I'm more than 15 minutes late getting home, my wife thinks I'm cheating on her. Okay, um, this accused Mark to come down with his textbook uh, looking for Jill because he has a homework question. And he says, is, is mom back from her date yet? <laughs> I love this new Mark. Yeah, I, I've been a champion of Mark since the first season. Mark has come around. He's a he's much better actor now than he was in the past. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that they are allowing him to troll Tim now. Yes. He's um, finally old enough. You must be this tall to troll, <laughs> to troll Tim. Tim. Uh, and he asked, uh, you know, Tim's like, no, 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 come on, hit, hit me. What, what's the question with your homework? Yeah. And 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 Mark just laughs and says, oh, I'll see you tomorrow, Dad. But then, uh, but, but yeah, no, then, then he does open it up and it's a question about what a, what a pronoun is. What's a is. pronoun? I need yeah. to define a pronoun. Tim gives a ask, nine answer about it being a, uh, a noun that uh, gets paid to do what an amateur noun can't do. Yeah um again could have been a funny joke but you're already coming at me from a place where i don't find you funny so you, you, you get us into you get us into the hole and then you yeah. have to, you have to kind of climb out with a bunch of good jokes, jokes jokes don't get you out of the hole jokes get you into the hole once you get back out of the hole then you can use jokes again to Elevate you to somewhere else. It's it's the void, really, is where they're at. You're in the oil <laughs> drum right now, Tim, with the, with the right, material you are giving right. us. Yes. Um, Jill comes in and uh, sees Mark there and gives him a little help with his homework, uh, actually giving him a definition of a pronoun. And then Tim throws in, well, actually, both definitions can be taken. Uh, yeah, alternative facts. Yeah, right. And <laughs> I did make a note later in this episode. I wasn't going to mention it. I'm going to now because what you just said makes it even more... Authentic, which is, Tim is very Trumpy in this episode. Oh, he's he's Trump in heart. Like the ant- by the time he gets to the book club, yeah, when it's actively tearing down intellectual oh, God, yeah. spaces. Okay, but we're 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 just if you're playing uh, Truman and Land and Woke Bay Bingo right now, you've probably got a blackout <laughs> yeah, at this point. <laughs> let's oh a Trump <laughs> reference Bingo Bingo, um okay. So Tim Tim gets after Jill yeah. about Chris and saying like, well you know why you know and and she explains like oh i'm sorry sorry i'm late book club ended like an hour ago and then and then chris and i were just sitting out in the car talking for the past hours yeah. parked outside talking now i i will say now i will say too yeah no yeah. no you say first i don't necessarily agree with that without a pre you know like why not invite him in for coffee or invite him in for you know something else the sitting in the car part is a little strange if like that's the thing and this episode i would not have nearly as much problem if it's like you know, Jill and Chris go off and Tim doesn't make a big deal about it. Jill's an hour late getting, you know, maybe there's some ribbing from the guys that Tim deflects. Yeah. Then she gets back and they've been sitting in the car for an hour. Like, and then, and then I would like to actually explore that and, like, wait, yeah, right. why did you sit and talk to this guy outside our house privately? Why don't you want me meeting him? Yeah. And then have that go to a more interesting place. Yes. That would be cool. Is this one of the missed opportunities that you were – That's uh, that – that is one yeah, – yeah. You could call that – yeah, that would be – even three missed opportunities in this show. <laughs> uh, you know, so because I think that is that – is, you know that that is a thing that is not in and of itself bad, but it would raise some questions in my mind if I yeah. were in Tim's shoes. The the fact that his hackles were already raised by the fact that Jill knows a man kind of <laughs> though deprives this of any of any punch. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I want to. This is this is a theory light. Okay, it's it's a it's a diet theory. <laughs> this <is> it's beers <laughs> theory light. Um, I gotta find a way to to like fake print cans and get you a six pack of beers <laughs> for your birthday i would display those uh proudly um tim mentions basically what we're talking about here he's like someplace romantic like a car you know a romantic spot like a car why would you have a a talk there um which kind of triggered my um completely uh inauthentic not licensed uh diagnosis brain oh right yes (laughs) where i'm psychoanalyzing him but uh That gave me a little seed of him conflating sex and cars, Mm -hmm. and that I can almost see now that his obsession with cars is an extension of his obsession with sex. Mm -hmm. That he sees cars as a way, the place where you have sex, therefore he needs to construct the place to have, like, if he he needs to dedicate all his time to that thing, to to the creation of a sex place. Exactly. Every man must build his own sex place at some point in his life. <laughs> so some, some would say that the sex place is a state of mind, but for Tim, it's a car. I'm just saying, you know, with uh pent up sexual frustration, maybe he puts it into the car. Maybe that's where he gets gets off. That's that's him squeezing his apples. <laughs> He's uh, he's squeezing his pistons. Uh, so when when so when he has to race cars against Bob Vila, he's orgasming. But when he l- pulls back on the on the throttle and lets Bob Vila win because he doesn't want to blow up his engine, that's uh-huh. saying that that he's basically decides to keep edging himself that's, instead of instead of coming. That's abstinence. Wow. <laughs> That now that's, I mean, I feel like the the people who are pushing you for abstinence probably wouldn't want you to just edge yourself forever, but it's still Fair, yeah yeah you're right wow what's what's more offensive this episode or now the the where we've taken this episode uh, uh, all of the above no I mean I think we've long theorized that Tim is basically a it, like his scenes from David Cronenberg's Crash were left on the cutting room floor <laughs> and I think this is more evidence of that that yeah. like just being in a car makes him horny yeah I, I I I think it's deeper than that I think that the car itself is horny. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm saying. Um, anyway, let's get out of that and go. Let's, uh, get, let's get out of that. Wash our hands. <laughs> wash our faces. <laughs> Take a shower. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I just want to mention with what they're discussing here between uh, Jill and Tim is Jill brings up Heidi. Yes. And I think that that was a really great point of, yeah. you know, and Tim says. You know, uh, I don't see her as a friend. I see her as a co-worker. Yeah. This is Jill, say, like Jill saying, yeah. we are just friends. And Tim saying, these days men and women can't be friends. And then she brings up Heidi. So yeah. like, Tim has laid down this gauntlet. Which is bullshit because it's six years after when Harry met Sally. <laughs> yeah. And also men and women could be friends like in any time. Yeah, like also... Right. I'm sorry. Look, this is this is what what year is this? Ninety-five. This is ninety-five. Still. Okay, yep. so at this point, not only have we had the latter seasons of Cheers where Sam and Rebecca are just friends who happen to both work together, yeah. we are well into Frasier where Frasier and Roz are friends. So if yeah. he's watching any good TV, he would know this. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I like the, I this outmoded notion that men and women can't be friends. I, I it's just old hat even by 1995 standards. I don't know. As someone who has a shitload of female friends, it makes me feel, you know, T- Truman here burnishing his credentials as a good man. <laughs> I, it, it, and just, this is where it, I sorry to interrupt no, no, you there, no, no, but no. I wasn't going anywhere. This is where I Noted, like, oh, Chris is gonna turn out to be gay, and that's why it's yes. gonna be okay for them to missed be friends. Opportunity number two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, but even that, I feel like, would have been somewhat problematic. It would have to, been a cop out. Yeah, 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 a cop out would be yeah. a great way to describe it. Um, well, and, the, and this also, this also takes us up to my missed opportunity number three. Okay. So magic, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm doing Sir hand, Larry. I'm doing Hand gestures. Yes, always. Every episode that doesn't have them drag a trunk out and <laughs> pop it open. God if Sir Larry's in the final episode of this show I'm going to explode. Um so but you know what about Heidi? She's a coworker, she's like Albert with less facial hair and a better physique etc. But so they go on and on and Jill ends the scene pretty much saying that you know well Tim if you had a if you had a female friend who was had all of your same interests I wouldn't be jealous of her and so Tim goes so you're saying that if I knew an attractive woman who was into like a drop top 780 Hemi, or whatever you call cars. (laughs) Verbatim. Verbatim. You wouldn't have a problem with it? And she says, yes. And Tim goes, damn. But like, so I hear that and I think, ah, this is why we meet June, the gadget lady, the attractive Uh, woman that comes on the show. So the next scene is going to be us at tool time and Jim, Jim? Uh, And then Jim is trying to pull a prank on Dwight. And we suddenly enjoy the show that much more. But I put a dollar in the jar for getting the main character's name wrong, I guess. He <laughs> I think did... that's a fiver. Uh, well, yeah, but also, for this episode, he doesn't deserve to be called by the okay, right fair, name. Yeah, but But I was thinking, next scene, okay, Tim, backstage. Tool time, finagling a way to get June back on the show. Yeah. June is on the show. Tim tries to find a way to, like, hey, do you want to go out and get a beer or something? And they go out for beers, but then she's coming and on the, to him. the guys are there edging him on to do yes. it. And then it turns into this thing where yeah. he turns on the friends because he finally realizes, oh, you know what? Al's right. I actually love my wife. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 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 he is trying to hang out with her, and then Jill and the book group go to Mike's Tavern where they're at or yeah. something. And see and sees them, and then Jill has this jealousy, and sees even though yeah. I don't think that it necessarily, like even though it sort of validate Tim's point that it's okay, that it's not okay for men and women to be friends, it would at least be a funnier way to explore this. Even yeah, if I yeah. still didn't agree with the outcome, it would be funny because then the tables are turned on Jill, and we're seeing Jill yes. dealing with that. And then it's and that's my point about this scene too is that uh, the end of the scene with Jill walking out saying she wouldn't be jealous is that to me is a bullshit cop out from the writers yeah because to I mean you're you're basically posing women as this standard that men can never live up to yes you know that there's never equal footing when Jill's a human being and she would c- could easily be equally jealous yeah yeah I mean and you know I think that Jill more than anything is saying that and I mean I think what, we've seen it before too and what it would I think what it would expose if we'd gone this other route of having Tim and and June like mm-hmm. try and be friends or something. What it would expose, like, that the purpose of that would be exposing that, oh, Jill didn't actually mean what she said. Jill was speaking in, you know. Quickly and rashly to try and get out of this argument with Tim or because she was upset by Tim trying to encroach on her space and then Tim comes to learn that there's really nothing to be uh, fearful of regarding Chris yes exactly I mean there were uh, there were like three better episodes that would have had the same (laughs) core problems but would have done them in a funnier way I can't stress enough we're not like Yes, the nature of the show, like the, the 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 guts of this episode or the core of this episode is upsetting, but then that they took an upsetting idea and were like, "Hey, let's just let's just put this problematic plotline out there and not not put any meat on its bones. Let's yeah. just like let it coast on its own lack of charisma." <sighs> we so. the next scene slides into place and it's a Wilson scene and Wilson is uh doing a little ooing and umming and uh eyeing and uh more ooing. Yeah, and Tim comes out back and says, T- uh, Wilson, what are you doing? And and Wilson says, I couldn't sleep so I came out here to squeeze my apples. Now here's a question. Yes. On the show in the past, have we seen this exact thing? Because I, what, almost on the couch, said to you, he's squeezing his melons. Because, oh, there have been, there was that episode, I mean, when he sees uh, Marty's wife naked, like, there's something about melons or uh, out back like he says. I thought, well, I thought that Wilson had done the same exact thing. Uh, gag before that he was sque- out there squeezing his melons. It, oh, he was doing something involving melons and Tim said, don't talk to me about melons right now. Okay. But uh, no, I mean, it's still close. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I don't know. Also, how many things can he be doing out back? The more interesting and important uh, takeaway from this Wilson moment is that uh, it's nighttime. Yeah. Wilson is wearing shark pajamas. <laughs> I did not see that. What Wilson is in it's always shark week it's in just like, Wilson's yeah, room? It's shark print pajamas and immediately I'm like, I wonder if he's related to Quint. That would be great. I would love that. It, like, that is my canon, that that, Qu- that Wilson is like Quint's son. So that makes Quint Canadian, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, We don't know much about Quint's past except being on the USS Yeah, we, we know a lot about one really shitty night in his life. And then we know that he <laughs> apparently has no issue dra- dragging fingernails down a chalkboard. Oh, Ooh, so bad. Doesn't work on a whiteboard. Yes. Uh, but Tim asks about uh, platonic relationships. Yeah, and, and he's, you know, do you think it's possible for a man to be friends, you know, for a man and woman to be friends with that romance? And Wilson goes, yes. And Tim goes, well, that's your opinion, but you're also out back squeezing your apples. <laughs> um, and-, and Yeah. No, go on. No, I was gonna. I don't need to. I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. Okay. Well, they they talk some about it, and Wilson is just explaining that. Oh yeah, platonic relationships between men and women are possible. You know, or it's possible for you know women to to have very rewarding relationships with, relationships with the opposite sex. And Tim goes, that's what they call them—the opposite sex. We like sex, and they like the opposite. That's what I was skipping over. Yeah, that's, it's just like. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I guess it's the official position of grunt work that women can be just as horny as men, and it's in many no cases are. It's the official position of fucking home improvement that that's the case, because Jill has jumped Tim's bones many a time in this show. When when there's no logical reason to do so, and he's done <laughs> nothing to earn that. Uh, we can only assume that Jill is a sexual powerhouse who, like, overlooks so many things about Tim because she needs it. ay um uh, But Now, I have to, I, yeah. and I feel like this is where you're heading. The grunts. Yes. Now, first of all, before we go into the specifics of these grunts, uh, I've noticed a trend, and since you're the grunt master, want (laughs) to see if you have noticed this, agree with this, just get your thoughts. Seems like in the last, most of season four, definitely in season five, the time Tim grunts the most is with Wilson. Yeah. Oh, that was very musical. Yeah, I, it was because I was I was going back and forth on it as I, it was the Larry David back and forth gift. Um, he does grunt affair, like he does a lot of grunt talking with Wilson. Yeah, yeah. But individuals because it's 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 like kind of when he has an epiphany over what Wilson's saying. Yeah, grunting is the thing that he tends to do when he thinks of something. <laughs> so I guess I guess that Wilson brings that out in him, but I wouldn't say that. The bulk of like i I'm not collecting the right data on this, I'm not recording where in the episode it happens, mm. but um I don't know, I think that in certainly in in like over I look at the past season, I don't mm-hmm. think an inordinate number of grunts came in Wilson scenes okay, maybe maybe it's just a pattern that I've made up, yeah, um but uh Wilson is explaining to him that you know, oh well, what. You know, women make emotional connections with men, and that a woman's soulmate is someone who who they relate to on an emotional level, and physicality doesn't have to you know factor into it. And Tim's response to this is to like just go on this weird the grunty gr- rant. He yeah, is grunty a tirade. Grant. He's just like, oh yeah, well, in the front seat of a Camaro, I'm, you know, just, uh, sit and just sitting talking for an hour about the books or other just. For a long time my throat hurts after doing that and um just really good television oh it's great it's great good stuff but he well yeah i won't give away the grunt count for that but he he goes on this whole kind of grunty tirade and and wilson doesn't really know what to do with it but (laughs) But here's my question uh wilson isn't giving a solution here necessarily he's not uh answering tim's problem he's not really giving him information to move forward in the episode with so the question is is wilson trolling tim here Implanting a seed into Tim's brain to go, uh, yeah, you, you need to be worried here. Could it be Johnny Appleseed? <laughs> Appleseed? <laughs> yeah. Appleseed? Yeah. Uh, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Squeezing his appleseeds. <laughs> um, so they, uh, so we go from this. Yeah, we get you, a fade you know, out. Tim fade is back out in. of this. And it's, uh, Tim. Picking up, uh, picking up Randy from hockey practice in the middle of a black void, just in absolute <laughs> darkness, Tim in the front seat of the, the T-Bird or whatever, yeah. and Randy getting in, and there is nothing around, them. they're driving through deep space. <laughs> There's one thing around, it's, what was that? What is that? I don't know if that was, it was, <laughs> it was the, the, the trolley on JTT Junction, oh, uh, no. muffled, apparently. It sounded like sleigh bells. <laughs> toot, toot, was That's what it. I was yeah, going for. toot, toot, yeah. yeah have you never been around a trolley i don't think i have um we're going into jtt junction ah save us jtt junction <laughs> we for uh those just tuning in jtt junction is focusing on uh, america's favorite heartthrob uh jonathan taylor thomas we are reading from his biography is i have to i have to give uh give all the details Unauthorized biography. The JTT was like, I cannot have these hot secrets about what kind of girls I'm into get out to the public. By Michael Ann Johns. Now I, I learned something yes. recently. What? Because I, I was I wanted to know more about this author. I wanted to see if maybe we can connect on Twitter or wherever. Uh, definitely a ghostwriter. Yeah. Uh, he's dead. <laughs> I don't know. I have no information on this person except for one fact. What? Uh, Michael Ann Johns has written so many of these teen beat biographies oh my god i hope we're talking so many houses hansen (gasps) we're talking taylor hansen of hansen wow Well, so you just (laughs) i mean you've already got the research done you just hip pocket that one (laughs) nsync wow uh, backstreet boys Aaron Carter, Nick Carter. Uh, I mean, he has so many of these books. So, so like, I'm trying to think if his, if his, like, office where he does all his writing is adorned like a teen girl's bedroom with just all these posters of them. Like, <laughs> yes, the rest exactly. of his house is very austere and, like, classy. But to go in there, it's like, I have to get in the right mindset <laughs> so I can practice my craft. <laughs> so, um... Uh we are reading from this book. Now we are on chapter 1. Yes. And uh I'm I'm doing excerpts from it. So uh So if we miss any it. big chunks in the middle, if you if if we miss a bit about what kind of girl JTT's really into. Uh chapter 1, baby steps. Ooh. Uh here we go. Buzz. That's oh. a sound effect. Okay, <laughs> I assumed the <laughs> sound of the alarm clock is a familiar one to jonathan taylor thomas and and to most people who wake up in the morning i would say (laughs) it goes off every weekday morning at exactly 7 a.m but jonathan rarely needs to be roused uh rarely needs it to be rarely needs it to rouse him it's just a weirdly phrased sentence in general well when when all you when your only form of literary expression is books about boy bands and teen heart throbs <laughs> you have to indulge in some purple prose by the time it rings he's usually uh, he's usually been stirring for at least a half an hour tossing in bed considering the day ahead. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> and the fact that this is unauthorized, I don't know how he knows that. Um, Jonathan bumps into his older brother, Joel, who has dressed and eaten breakfast and even walked the dog by this early hour. Joel, who's in high school, has to be there uh, at 7.30 while Jonathan has the luxury of another half hour before his day be- really begins. Th- this is juicy. <laughs> uh, he trundles off to the shower, humming the tune he heard on the radio the night before. What tune? I don't know. This is so, 1996. I think this was written. Uh, Semi-trimmed life, obviously. So, the, I, so we're assuming that the author of this unauthorized biography has. I mean, this is why he's a ghostwriter. He is. He is haunting their house <laughs> and just following JTT around, taking notes on what songs he's humming. Uh, we got a little bit more to go here. Uh, to an outsider looking in, the scene seems ordinary enough—a typical American family getting ready to start the day. But appearances can sometimes be deceiving. In fact, there's little that's ordinary about Jonathan Taylor Thomas and his life. Extraordinary is more like it. Ooh. Extraordinary. The opposite of ordinary, you mean? <laughs> Extraordinary is what he has always been. Wow. Jonathan was born in Bethlehem, a small city in eastern Pennsylvania, bordered by uh, the Lee River, north uh, of uh, Philadelphia. Oh, this is what what all the kids want. They want to know what rivers are directly adjacent to the town of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. (laughs) It gets better. The major employer in town is Bethlehem Steel. Wow. (laughs) Someone was padding his word count. Many people uh, who live in this area work for that company. Jonathan's dad, Stephen, whose family has longtime roots in that area, was an industrial sales manager there. Throughout history, people have gone to Bethlehem, (laughs) Pennsylvania. There are many opinions about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Here are a few of them. His wife, Claudine, uh, was a social worker. By the time they welcomed their second child into their home on September 8th, 18... 18? Wow. 1981. A teen hot of the the 1910s. (laughs) They were already parents uh, to a -a three-and-a-half-year-old Joel. Stephen and Claudine named Joel's baby brother, Jonathan. This is what they have always called him Never John... Never, uh, and certainly never Johnny. And never Taylor. That they made that mistake once. <laughs> and uh, that's how his first set of parents died. His nickname, JTT, wasn't given to him by his family, but by the millions of adoring fans he'd have somewhat later on. They took a vote. <laughs> that's getting ahead of our story. Although, even as an infant, Jonathan had his share of admirers. Now let's let's pause for a review of the various county roads and highways surrounding Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It was the year 1956, and Dwight Eisenhower had embarked upon an uh, an ambitious plan to uh, connect our nation with a thick series of uh, interstate highways. Ah, yes, Interstate 97, passing straight past Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, only six miles from the house where Jonathan Taylor Thomas's grandfather would be conceived. How much I, of this book is about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? I, It's just completely, chapter two through seven is just nothing but Bethlehem. (laughs) Chapter three, Bethlehem during the Civil War. (laughs) Dear Masha, today we fought the rebels in the fields. (laughs) I can, I can, the only thing that brings me solace as I slumber in my tent is the knowledge that we are building a better nation for the likes of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, i have to admit i like our book club a lot better than i like the home improvement one i know i mean which well okay did a man give you a ride here today though <laughs> no okay good well then i like our book club too. okay great um so that's, uh, that's half of chapter one. We'll continue next week. Uh, the the thrilling conclusion. War. What else will we learn about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? The, the, what, is the, what is the economic growth rate of Bethlehem, <laughs> Pennsylvania? Do they do in, on Main Street in Bethlehem? Is it um, angle-in parking or parallel parking alongside with, uh, with uh, parking meters? Stay tuned next week to find out. What, are, what, is the, what is the late fee structure at the Bethlehem County Public Library? The, an inquiring public of JTT diehards wants to know oh let's uh let's take the trolley back from JTT Junction does Bethlehem Pennsylvania have a trolley or is it a bus town JTT Junction has a trolley and that's what we're taking (laughs) we're leaving Bethlehem behind us for now god uh well I'm I'm gonna be dreaming of it oh my god I don't know how I'm gonna finish this episode we (laughs) go back to the car Randy is a thousand years older than he was uh, two episodes ago. It's really weird. Like I'm looking at him, like which boy is this? <laughs> I already have a hard time, but it looks like it looks like the puberty fairy has visited this one as well. So Tim has uh, come up with the the brilliant idea to join Jill's book club by reading the book that they're reading next week, which is Madame Bovary. Yes, and he's going to read that book with uh, it, like. He explains this to Randy. He says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. I picked you up. I had to stop at the bookstore, and Randy is shocked by this. And then Tim reveals that uh, his ace in the hole is he's got a cassette tape of Madame Bovary, which he puts in the tape player. And everyone, like, everyone's laughing at this, and Randy is making this big deal about it as though listening to a book on tape is somehow an illegitimate way to absorb literature. Yeah. This is long before Audible. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, like, it really is a tribute to Audible and their branding, I guess, that nowadays it's, like you know... I've lots of friends listen to books on tape on car rides or like on the, like on the bus or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's a normal, that's a very acceptable way to engage with literature. But I guess at the time it was like, no, if you're not reading the words on the page, it doesn't count. You may as well be reading the spark notes. (laughs) Might as well be watching the movie version, which, and honestly, that would kind of make more sense rather than trying to get the book on tape. Why not either get the cliff notes? Because I know you were in college, Tim, you probably used those (laughs) to get through. Uh, or uh, or watch the movie watch of it. Who? I don't know. I don't know of a, a Madame Bovary uh, adaptation. I'm sure there was a, a BBC, you uh, know, yeah, or a miniseries, yeah, or something. exactly. Um, anyway, we get a cassette tape unraveling transition. Well, Tim is repeatedly fast. Like the thing starts, and oh, yeah. it, Tim is like wrinkling his nose as they're talking about like, oh, a d- psychological examination of a woman coming into her own, and he's fast forwarding, yeah. fast forwarding, tries to flip the tape. Um, And then we get the cassette tape transition uh, to the dining room. Uh, where book club is commencing. Yes. Jill is standing at the head of the room and says, Gentlemen, welcome to book club. The first rule of book club is... <laughs> Does this joke have any legs anymore? Uh, Making it, fight club it, jokes about other types of clubs? It, it is when it's unexpected, and that was unexpected. Ah, well, very good. Well, so now you know uh, that I'm doing you get it. So. A, you get a golf clap. Oh, thank you. Uh, against the back of your hand, no less. That's the Gandalf clap, actually. Oh, I get a golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there, so, Gandalf... Oh, my God. Dumbledore. This, this, I gotta set that right for my my nerd <laughs> friends. Um, they're going into book club, yeah, and we've got a, a little uh, smattering of people. It's a really small book club, yeah. It's time, and and Chris is the only guy there, which yes. again lent another point to my whole Chris is gay, obviously. Why? Well, no, well, okay, like. I am not saying that like on TV that, oh, like, that's I see. the yeah, coding yeah, yeah. from I, like, I, okay. the like the group is all I'd women all women and one man. Oh, the show is trying to say this man is gay. Yeah, I see. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean I certainly thought it was heading in that direction, but yeah. yeah, I thought I just missed something. But uh so but there yeah, so Tim is kind of following Jill around and she's getting things kicked off yeah. and like uh and just you know, preening for everybody. Yeah. Tim is watching Jill pouring tea. He says, Ah, tea, I'm a big tea guy myself. And uh, Chris goes, you like Earl Grey? And Tim goes, never met him. (laughs) See, these are funny. Like, if that was coming out of the mouth of Ash on Ash vs. the Evil Dead, that would be funny. If that was coming out of the mouth of Sam on a show called Cheers, (laughs) that would be funny. (laughs) Except Sam works with beverages professionally, so you'd probably know what Earl Grey is. Let's go through a lightning round of character actors. Okay. Okay. Uh, We really only have uh, three that we have to do here. I'm going to do preemptive ER guesses. No, yes, yes. Who, who goes to where? I uh, just in the or in whatever order you read them. No, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, the first up is Stephanie Dunham. Yeah. Uh, she was <laughs> her very first role was in a movie called Silent Rage with uh, Chuck Norris. Oh, that sounds like a Chuck Norris movie. <laughs> she was also on Magnum PI, The Practice. Uh, she looks like she's still working. Uh, she was most recently on Preacher. Oh, the TV series. Yeah. Uh. Was she on ER? What was your order? No. No, no. yes, yes. No, yes, yes. Uh, She was actually on two episodes of ER, so you are doubly wrong on that. God fucking damn it. This is (laughs) cursed. This game is extremely, (laughs) extremely cursed. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have thrown caution to the winds, but let's see. Okay. Okay. All right. right. Okay. Uh, Next up is Terry Cavanaugh. She was most recently in uh, the movie Vice as a focus group leader. Oh, shit. I remember her in that movie. Okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, Also on the West Wing, um, which I always forget that uh, Patricia Richardson had a long run on the West Wing. Wing. The West Wing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which is a Lord of the Rings spinoff. Yeah. Uh, So was she on ER? You said no. Yes, yes. So this would be a yes. Yeah. She was not on ER. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, Next up, and just like we did uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, this is a character actor who's been on the show before. As a different character. They love doing this. And the only reason I'm bringing her up is that we didn't do the, the metagame. Also, uh, I fucked up her name the very first time that she was on. Oh. Uh, I called her Janet Dubois. Yeah. Her name is actually Jeanette Dubois. Oh. Okay. She was on Reach Out and Teach Someone. Oh. She is the uh, artist that did the Jefferson's theme song. Right. Okay. Okay. Very, very a uh, uh, seasoned character actor and she's moving on up to another role she was also on good times she was in uh uh, 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 uh what's it called mama's uh, mama's uh, she plays a character named mama Bosley in Charlie's Angels full throttle oh interesting um and a lot of her stuff is actually soundtrack uh credits all right the question was is she on ER yes you're right oh. Oh, shooting in the dark finally works for me. <laughs> Great. Uh shortly after this episode in 1995, she was uh in the Christmas episode called A Miracle Happens Here. That is beautiful. I am basking in that. It makes all my other failures worth it. So, Jeanette, thank you very much. Uh, thank you I... for being on ER. <laughs> why am I thanking her? I don't know. We're stepping out of character actor corner back to book club where Tim is acting uh, acting a fool. Yeah, well, unlike the rest of the episode where he's acting the opposite of a fool. <laughs> so, Tim sort of is uh, hovering and Jill is like, well, Tim, do you have to get to poker night? And Tim said, no, I decided to blow off poker night so instead i could uh, join you guys for the book club and all the blood drains from jill's face <laughs> she, and and it's like this is so shitty this is jill's specific thing yeah right and tim just assuming like hey you know what you want me here everything is yeah. mine everything i can join in like especially when tim in an earlier season when jill joins poker night Tim is furious about that. When Jill and her friends try to join in his work party on dropping the engine into the car, Tim is furious. Why doesn't this woman respect my boundaries? Why doesn't she stay and do girl stuff when I'm trying to do boy stuff? Oh, my wife's doing girl stuff? I guess it's now okay for me to come bring my shitty version of, of boy stuff into it. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about it, I hate. It's bad. It's really bad. But Jill, I, I mean, and, and you know, rather than rather than taking Tim aside and saying, don't do this, yeah, uh, Jill kind of just goes along with it and... He he immediately squeezes between uh, uh, Chris and Jill on the Sofa and Jill says i'm like, "I don't think this is a good idea," but the other women there, it's as though Tim has paid them off for saying like, "Oh my god," like, <laughs> "like oh you know," because he talks about like she says you have to have read Madame Bovary and and Tim basically quotes the kind of introduction thing from yeah the, the synopsis, book on tape yep. like the synopsis of what it is and the women say, "Oh, it's so great that your husband shares your interest. You should let him join us." Yeah, that's a really astute take uh, yeah. that he has there. And so he yeah he squeezes in between Chris and Jill and, and says, uh, "Still warm uh, to Chris's uh, to ass heat." And uh, I only mention that because uh, in the past I lost a friend uh, by using the term "ass heat." <laughs> that is not a friend worth having. Because when you said "ass Agreed. heat," I was like, "I want to be, I want to be more friends with this person." <laughs> uh, uh, just yeah, side story. We were chatting on the internet, um, and she had to get up. This is like in the days where friendships. Before text messages, yeah, you blossomed your friendships through through oh yeah AAM A- 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 yeah. or ICQ. I can't remember which it was, but anyway, um, she had to get up to let her mom use the computer, and when she came down, she said, "Still warm," and I said, "Ooh, ass heat," and um, she stopped being my friend because <laughs> <laughs> you said ass. Because I, I said ass heat. I don't know. I never really got an explanation out of it outside of, I don't know, was it the combination of the grossness combining ass and heat and then relaying that to her mother or the fact that she had to sit in it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It, you know, she's the one who brought up that ass heat was there. You were just, you were just calling, uh, you were just, you were just calling out the source of the warmth. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. She has a problem with you telling the truth. Honestly, I think, I mean, she has, uh... She had a problem with swearing, let's put it that way. I'm not going to go too deep into the surrounding things about that because I don't want to make blanket statements, but she... Posterior heat. (laughs) Would have been better. May have have had a different result. Yeah. Whatever, I'm not lacking for the loss of that friendship. Um, Anyway, this book club is dumb. How so? How how so is this book club dumb? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, I mean, because Tim is there and he dumbs it right on down. Like, they they start and say, you know, Chris is opening his book and saying, well, chapter one really grabbed me. And Tim goes, now let's fast forward to chapter ten. And why do we want to do that? Because that's when the village handyman, whose name is some French bullshit, first arrives in the story. Uh. And that was the character that Tim really identified with and thought that that guy made the story great. And uh, they, uh, Jill's immediately like, what? The, this has no fucking relevance on anything. Why are you here? Get out of my life. i divorce you. Uh, but the other people in the book club are like, well, that's a really interesting take. Now, why do you identify with the handyman? Yeah, and he's saying like, I don't even remember how Tim gets through this, but like the, they're talking about a wedding and that uh, he identified with the handyman and how important he is because he set up the chairs and if there weren't chairs for, set up for the wedding, she would have never met this other fucking character and it's just like Yeah, That doesn't. There's no causation there. The but the other people are saying that like Tim kind of stumbles around and they and the other people who actually yeah, read the book falls are saying, backwards that. Yeah. this. I hate it so much. And uh, you know they they ask all, oh, what do you think of uh, 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 I don't remember the, the guy's name, but like uh, Rodolphe or is Leon. Leon, well, yeah, what, what, yeah. What do you think of Leon and like that's the oh that well I don't know. No, it's not Leon because it's like the main love interest. They ask you know what do you think of this oh, yeah, guy? Yeah. Tim doesn't know who that one was. You don't remember the main love interest from the story, and then one of the women says, "Oh, a sensitive man like Tim was probably more into Leon." And then Tim is like, "Oh yeah, Leon, yeah, love Leon." And, and then of course Leon turns out to be the proxy for Chris in this episode, who's yeah. uh, stealing Madame Bovary away from her husband. Yeah, and immediately he turns on that idea. Yeah. And and he says the only character that he liked was Madame Bovary's husband. And everyone's like, but that guy was a total idiot. He was a cold fish. He was awful. He was terrible for her. They had nothing in common. Also... And- <laughs> The main character is Madame Bovary. Yes, also, like that. Tim starts out by saying, "Yeah, yeah, I anything read this but b- a woman." Yeah, I read this book, and I want I want to talk about. I only want to talk about the men in it. I want to talk about the handyman in the book, and that then the other women there are like, "That's fascinating." You want to analyze this book about a woman from the perspective of a man? No one's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but, I don't have anything else for that scene. Just you know, Tim goes on this. Whole tirade about how oh well well this guy was the best you know Madame Bovary never should have tried to leave her husband and this and she and her husband were soulmates on anyway and anyone trying to steal her away was bad and it's every husband's like I, something about uh, trying to keep keep this guy away from his Madame's ovaries. Ugh, yeah, I forgot about that. Line. And then Locked he on my head. And then he kind of slumps back in his chair and crosses his arms and just kind of gives a sort of triumphant like, look to Chris and the uh, whole room. What do you think about that look? Yeah, just the, you know, the ultimate petulant like you guys you guys were trying to build something here <laughs> you were trying hard to make something interesting but I came in and destroyed it all and now you can't have what you want <laughs> what do you think what do you think it's my house so you can't tell me to leave i'm really oh, just yeah upsetting um we get a book transition unless you had anything else for that scene uh no no we get a book transition everyone's leaving yeah yeah to the front door everyone's heading out uh jill starts to lay into Tim. Uh, And then Tim kind of starts to confess that he thinks that Chris is Jill's soulmate, which really, I, this is the missed opportunity for me, is like, this episode should have been more about his insecurities than exploring his jealousy. Yeah. There's less antics to be, funny antics to come from him exploring ways to uh, intrude on Jill's world because of his jealousy, mm. rather than highlighting his insecurities about this because like the it's ludicrous the thought that tim thinks chris that jill just met is his soulmate or yes. her soulmate yes and it's yeah it's better to just have tim deal with you know d- deal with the fact that oh shit she has these highfalutin ideas that i can't match up to and how yeah. he deals with that he, he like he says to her at one point like i did this to prove you know, she asked, why did you do this? Why did you come to this tonight? And he says, I did this to prove that I was your soulmate. But you so clearly did the opposite. Yes. No one would look at this relationship where the man crashed and completely ruined the book club and and derailed everyone's night and say, oh, he, he and his wife are meant to be together. This, this is all part of the, like, I, hesitant to use the term male fantasy, but that kind of weird world that you know a man does it's like all i have to do is just make up with one big romantic gesture or show mm-hmm. you know display it this way as opposed to like looking at the nuance of a relationship and appreciating a person for who they are blah 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 don't need to go to the whole thing but uh it's it really just i'm not, i'm 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 checking out okay I'm okay gone. all right we're done <laughs> um <laughs> so, but then, yeah, and we just basically, the episode resolves with Jill saying, like, you think that Chris is my soulmate? Tim, you can talk about things I can't talk about. He's taking your mind and leaving me with your body. Jill goes, oh, wait, you're more interested in my mind than my body? And Tim goes, no one's more surprised by by that than me. And one thing leads to another. After all these years, Tim, you really think anyone else could be my soulmate? You know, you're the person I'm in love with. And I just, it's a very weak yeah, Tim, I love you. You're my husband. Then like they, just yeah. and then and then they kiss a whole bunch and it's make up. Technically, sex. No, but I it's, mean, I don't think so. Is kissing sex? Uh, well, Landon, it depends what state you're in. <laughs> uh, uh, if you're in a state of ecstasy, it is. Uh, but <laughs> they they kiss, they make up, and like uh-huh. also something a lot. Oh, yeah, the last thing she like. She's one of the things she says for why they're soulmates is like I can look at you and know what I'm thinking and know what you're thinking and they're kissing and Tim says so what am I thinking right now and Joel looks at him and says you're thinking I had to read Madame Bovary for nothing and Tim goes yep go to poker uh, Tim is playing with the boys uh, and steals all their money yep and uh, then Randy decides to do some homework which is to read uh, Charles Dickens The Tale of Two Cities yep which he reads he's got a cassette tape for it and Tim is like oh no you got to read the book and he's like why well, it was fine for you and he puts it in the and you know this is and he reads a book on tape the way we all read books on tape <laughs> you put the tape into the boom box and you sit there in front of the boom box looking at the boom box while the book on tape plays relax would you call it a kimbo if your hands are behind your head no that's that's waste only that that's just cool guy in it <laughs> But just, yeah, Cole just le- lean leaning back like, yeah, Tale of Two Cities. How long could this Dickens novel be? I'm just going to sit here for... Well, long enough to only fit on a single cassette tape. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you flip it somewhere in the process. Uh, but then, but then you know, it starts the introduction. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And then Jill's voice comes out and says, it'll be even worse times for you if you don't get rid of this tape and read the book like you're supposed to. And I don't care what Tim says. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what did we learn from this episode? Uh, Jill, has uh, She's in college. Yeah. She's learning, going through that education while trying to take care of the home. Mm-hmm. She comes home to Tim, helps him clean up from his poker match, helps Mark with his homework, keeps Randy on track with his homework, uh, going to the length of recording over an audiobook to make sure that he's staying on track. She finds the time in all of this to read an entire novel once uh, a week. Yeah, with Madame Bovary and have intellectual conversations and develop friendships uh, that are have deeper meaning than... Uh, what kind of socket wrench do you like? Um, what did Tim do? Uh, let's see. Tim bought a cassette tape. He uh-huh. was 20 minutes late picking up his son yeah. from hockey practice in the middle of winter and at night. Uh, he ruined a book club uh-huh. that, that five other, like he ruined five other people's evenings and probably made one of Jill's friends feel very awkward and unwelcome and maybe even ruined their friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, to- All of it just to uh, to make him feel like to to protect his feelings. Yeah, that's it. Yep, that's it. Just want to make sure we know what the stakes are. We go to the outtakes. Tim flubs a line, and then they get a kissing outtake, where where they are kissing like too much. They, they or by kiss. which I mean Tim is kissing her too much. <laughs> um. Okay. Do you have anything that we didn't cover in this episode? No. 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 <laughs> then let's no. go to the. Grunt count? Yes, the grunt count is one. Okay, I was gonna guess one. I'm. S- no, no, no. I'm sorry. I keep I keep stepping <laughs> on your job. It's okay. No, no. I was gonna you you let me uh, be able to give the right answer in retrospect, in hindsight. I'm sorry. I, I was I gonna to- guess one, totally without guessing zero. I I, I need to let you do that. <laughs> so in Tim's whole tirade in in gruntees, he is speaking the whole time, but at one point at the it, end of in it. In the Wilson scene. In the Wilson scene. Yes, right. But at one point at the end of it, like, he's talking, you know, he's like, ah, and gets in her car, talks for an hour, ah, yeah, nah, nah, nah. like, so that, ah, in the middle of it, like, there's a grunt in, in the, the middle. one, okay. Because that's not a word. Right. And but, then it kind of trails, it, it undulates a little, but it never starts and stops, so it's really just one, and then it goes into more words. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. that's the thing. Do you want to guess how many grunts there were? Zero. Yep, oh, you got it. They actually zero. Oh, I, wow. I retroactively removed the thing that I just said. See, I could have uh, given you the right answer then, but uh, I, I knew what it was. I didn't want to cheat. I will take my loss. That's good. Well, is it really cheating when you didn't want to know, but I gave it to you? I forced you into cheating. But I, you you forced me into the option to cheat, and I chose not to. And that's kind of what this whole episode is really about, <laughs> having the option to cheat and choosing not to. Uh, my cheating heart... We're gonna go into uh, thanking some Patreons. Yep, patrons of our Patreon, Uh, our official Gruntheads, our new one Farah. Hey, thank you, (laughs) Michael, Mason, T.J., Spencer, and Cheyenne. Cheyenne, we figured it out at last. We cracked the code. I don't know. I'm still not confident about that. Uh, We go into our outro, which goes something like this: Are you narrating (laughs) what we're what we're doing? Like, i'm at that point where i need to speak what's happening in order to keep myself awake uh, so thank you to our patrons uh and if we want to continue doing this show god my brain is breaking that's grunt i'm watching War- it happen it's <laughs> made possible by people like our official grunt heads. uh and if you enjoyed today's show want to help us create even better content which can only go up from here. Yeah, we we consider, set the bar low every every week, becoming an official grenade sponsor on our Patreon. Yes, because for as little as one dollar a month, you'll get access to our exclusive bonus content, like our weekly Gruntworks nights, Gruntworks night, Gruntwork nights episodes. Landon, your brain breakage just passed on to me. Dude, I know what's you, going on here. I left a couple extra S's on the table. I know. Yeah, they're from, they're from my beers brand beers. <laughs> Oh my god, and if you decide you want to subscribe at one of our higher levels, uh, you can also get access to our video feed for Grunt Work Nights, periodic gifts, and uh, a special video message from us. Uh, gifts like uh, Left Sock Designs. Go check her out on yes. Etsy. Uh, really, really awesome stuff. I actually bought a uh, a Biggie Smalls uh, print for myself from Good. her as well. Good for you, Landon. Uh, I love it. So, all of that over at Patreon, patreon.com slash pod. Now, uh, ratings and reviews. Listen, guys. Hey, we backwards cat. What's your whole rigmarole? Backwards Tur- cat. Turn, turn the chair around backwards, turn my hat around backwards, sit down and say, look, kids. I noticed you were online at uh, RateMyProfessor.com because you're all in college. I want to tell you about another guy who really liked to rate his professors. Wait, I want to tell you about another application of the rating system. Yeah, I, I want to I really draw a line in the sand here because outros can be automated. You go through the rigmarole. You, it comes white noise. Ratings and reviews. I want to push for this really hard this season. Yes, I want to get our reviews up Uh, you know five and four stars would be fantastic but I'm not gonna be picky I just want our reviews to go up because it does extremely help people find us so if you haven't rated and reviewed our show yet uh, at least give a rating you don't there's not even any effort that has to go into that it's really ballsy to be aggressively encouraging people to rate our show right after we really like fall the fuck apart and start making a bad podcast Uh, in the last 15 minutes uh I throw myself on the mercy of the court. Uh, on the mercy of the rating system <laughs> and the natural inflation therein. <laughs> Hoping that they have pity on me uh, and my, my poor brain from turning to mush. Hey, guys, one rating equals one prayer. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcast, whatever the fuck it's called these days. Go go to the places and do the rate. Hey, everybody. <laughs> We're talking about a brand new dance now. Everybody do the rate. Do the rate. Click five, and do the rate. My brain is subverting the, the importance I'm putting on this, but whatever the fuck. Go to our social media, stop by and say hi to us on Twitter and Instagram, where you can find us, at GruntWorkPod, or our website, where you can find today's episode, as well as alternate other information, which is – where, where is that at? Where can I do it's that? at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Also contribute to the GoFundMe for Landon's medical expenses, because <laughs> I think I'm watching him die. <laughs> <laughs> While you're on our website, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter to get notified whenever new episodes release or get exclusive content like the Grunt Count hit as well as uh, trivia. Yes. Isn't that fun? It that is, is fun. fun. People yes. like it. Uh, until next week when we bring you another, hopefully better episode of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. I'm Truman Caps, and remember... This summer, when you're considering a place to take the kids, why not take them to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania? Yes, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the crown jewel of the industrial Midwest, a bustling city of only 178,000 people. It's been known throughout its history <laughs> we'll for beautiful week, steel, folks. beautiful vistas, restaurants, a downtown core that is burst. <laughs>